Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook on personal development, navigating your way to prosperity in life, business, and sales. In it, you'll discover how to create your own best self action plan, how behavioral assessments can help, and more. Make sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 303. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and I have had so much fun getting to know today's guest over the past couple of weeks. She is a best-selling author with books including An Oasis in Time, How a Day of Rest Can Save Your Life, and It's Hard to Make a Difference When You Can't Find Your Keys. I love that title because that really speaks to me. <laughs> She is the co-founder of Bridgeway Partners, where she provides organizational consulting and coaching, and she's taught on the faculties of multiple universities, including the Yale University School of Medicine, and she's based in lovely Berkeley, California. Welcome to the show, Dr. Marilyn Paul. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me here today. I am just so glad you can join me. The The focus of your work is something that I think our listeners are really going to benefit from this discussion. But before we get into that, um, I just shared the top level highlights of your bio, but could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. I'm, I'm interested in sustainable productivity because that is one of my issues. And I started off, I was in Ivy League schools. I went to Barnard College, but in my mid-20s, I learned, or even sooner, that I had trouble finishing things. I would set goals. In fact, mm-hmm. I had four or five incompletes in college. Mm. And I'm telling you that because it was a pattern. It wasn't just college. I had trouble finishing things in general. So when I got my first job and then my second job and then went to graduate school, I had some thought patterns and behavior patterns that led me to procrastinate, led me to not finish things, led me to not prioritize. And that became a serious concern in how Mm -hmm. I was productive or not productive. And it's a key part of my biography because I learned how to overcome those patterns And that's what I wrote about in my first book. It's hard to make a difference when you can't find your keys. And then in my second book, An Oasis in Time, I talked about how I burned out and how I healed Mm. from that by building in regular rest time every week. So my, my, my writing is based on my own experience. Absolutely. I I love that because something that um that shows up for me when you mention that is you are clearly an intelligent person and you were able to get into Barnard College, which is, you know, that's an accomplishment. And so a lack of the kind of productivity and effectiveness that you were looking for isn't an indicator of a lack of intelligence, right? Um, it isn't even necessarily an indicator of a lack of drive because you were able to push yourself to get into into that that institution, which is also um, challenging. So a lot of times, I think we look at people who are experiencing burnout or are experiencing a period of time where their productivity is suffering. 
and we assume that it's a, a, a lack of intelligence or a lack of drive or something that's wrong with them. And instead, you've been able to really recognize that there are patterns and you've developed habits that can help address that situation. I am so glad you said that, Elizabeth, because the issue of chronic disorganization is actually something we can get very stuck in. It's a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. It is not about motivation, certainly not about intelligence, yet it can be about certain ways our brain prefers to operate. People with ADD, like me, really like being out there looking for new solutions, mm-hmm. looking for innovations, being hands-on, learning, not abstractly, but really touching the ground with Mm -hmm. our hands and feet. But those same strengths that many people like me have do lead to often a strong preference for not finishing things, not Mm -hmm. even closure. The most important thing we can do to start is to address ourselves with compassion. Mm -hmm. Absolutely do not think that you can will yourself out of chronic disorganization or will yourself out of exhaustion. It's not possible. That's not how we change. Absolutely. I think that will really resonate for many of us. And I can speak, you know, personally to myself. I've been in times and um, I'm glad that you cannot see uh, the office around me because it is certainly not as organized as I would like it to be. And, um, you know, I've tried at times to just say it's going to be, you know, my will. I'm going to just get this done. But what I've discovered is in times when I am able to be as effective as I want to be and be as productive and as organized as I want to be. It isn't just that I decide. There, I have to build in habits and best practices. So I want to spend the rest of our conversation today talking about some of, um, of these topics and taking a deep dive. Something that you just mentioned is that your focus is on sustainable productivity. Yeah. And I think we use the word productivity a lot, but we don't often hear the word sustainable <laughs> associated with it. And we have this culture that is obsessed with go, 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 more, more, more. And we're not necessarily um, thinking about the sustainability and the healthiness of that. So what are some of the impacts that you see when we lose that focus on sustainability? Well, first of all, the idea of go, 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 rarely includes the idea of stop. Mm. And so one of the impacts of this go, go, go culture is many of us have not learned how to stop. Maybe we collapse on the couch at the end of the day and fall asleep in our clothes in front of a screen, but that's not stopping in a nourishing, refreshing way. Mm. One impact is we have quite a distorted notion of productivity and We don't understand at a deep level that we, as human beings, not being machines, really do have a cycle. And the cycle is go, go, go. That's great. And Mm -hmm. then stop and renew. 
Another impact of the go, go, go is we get very oriented to our to-do lists. But when we're not refreshed and when our executive function is offline, we often just do what is on the list and we lose track of what is most important. Mm. And losing track of what is most important, and I mean both maybe the most important thing in our project or with sales goals, but also what's most important to our heart and soul. Mm. And when we lose track of that, that's also a part of burnout. Burnout is not just, I'm so tired, I can't do anything. It's losing the desire and the ability to just enjoy life. We enjoy getting up in the morning, but there is a danger when we just go, go, go and lose track of what's important that our zest starts diminishing. And that's a very serious cost. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the reason that we that we wanted to have you on the podcast, and I'm so glad we were able to to make this happen, is that's been a key topic of conversation over the last months. You know, certainly it's it's been a topic that people have brought up. Um, I'd say the whole the whole year of uh, as we've been dealing with COVID and working from home, um, it's it's become more salient for a lot of people. And conversations I was hearing in the last few weeks with a number of different people at different levels of organizations, completely different industries, is that idea of just, I've hit a wall. I've, I, I'm done. I need a break. <laughs> I, I need something um, different. And, you know, we had clients um, reschedule events that were going to happen because they said their team was just not in a place for learning. And so many, um, so many people are just recognizing that there's something broken with the way that they're approaching work and the way that sometimes they're expected to approach work that's not enabling them to be fulfilled and be satisfied and be um, sustainably productive. Right. No, it's very serious. I think one thing that's happened to so many of us on Zoom is that that basic human need for the actual physical presence mm. of others has not been satisfied. So we're, we're lonely. We feel more disconnected. And many of us haven't known how to build in either nourishing solo time or if we're home with kids and sort of overwhelmed by their needs we haven't been able to create really nourishing family time. Mm -hmm. And so now many of us have hit a wall. And the other thing about working from home with family or not with family is that that blur, like when is work over? If work is out of your house, when do you say the day is over? Mm-hmm. And if you don't say the day is over and you're crawling into bed with your computer, you've got a problem. Mm. I, I love that idea of nourishing time because 
I definitely can recognize times when I've been so busy all week that Saturday comes up or Friday afternoon comes up and I I haven't even thought of how I'm going to spend my weekend. And I end up, like you said, just on the couch because just the idea of doing anything (laughs) is is overwhelming. Or I realize that in order to do something that I want to do, I would have needed to prepare in some way. I'm thinking of... um, Something that happened to me a few weeks ago, where I love to knit. That's that's one of my um, one of my passions, and something that I find very relaxing, especially in the summer and spring when I get to knit outside. And so I thought it's a beautiful day. I am done with work for the day. I'm going to go knit. And then I realized I had finished the project that I had last been working on. I had the yarn, but it wasn't wound for my next yeah. project. I hadn't finalized what the project would be. I hadn't printed off the pattern. I, I hadn't done any of the preparation. And I ended up not going because I spent all of the time that I could have been outside enjoying the beautiful weather knitting. And instead, I was frantically trying to figure out what to knit and how. <laughs> and it wasn't nourishing. It wasn't relaxing. It wasn't the experience that it could have been. And um, and. I had taken a time that could have been nourishing and through, you know, the lacking uh, the, the appropriate preparation and thinking about it in advance or lacking the way I approached it, um, the way I approached it just was not successful. And so I think we can all probably recognize times where, you know, we're not working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and yet somehow we're not getting out of the time that we're not working, we're not getting the the nourishment, the refreshment that we could. And that's a really frustrating feeling as well, because then you feel, um, you know, almost guilty about it. And you feel uh, that you're not getting what you want to get out of work, but you're also not getting out of, out of that relaxation time, what you should be getting out of it. So it can um, lead to a lot of kind of shame and frustration. I think you have really pointed to you put your finger on one of the issues which is downtime requires preparation yet when we're in the middle of the work day and if we want to break maybe we tune into a, a a show that we really want to see and we think that's renewing us or the planning ahead requires a slightly different shift in your brain to planning mode and you are so right that nourishing downtime that summer day with a project outside just enjoying the sun on your face and your skin and the pleasure of creating you can't have that without preparation and that's one of you know one of the things I wrote about in my book an oasis in time is that we want those really yummy downtimes, but one of the gateways, and I did a lot of interviews with people who keep a Sabbath and really learn how the heck do you do that in this go, go, go world. And one of the things pretty much all of my interviewees talk about is that planning time. Mm-hmm. What do I need? If I want to go to the beach, maybe I plan for the food and I make sure I know the route and I know how long it's going to take. And maybe I take a beach umbrella. And without that, 
we spend much of our downtime, just as you said, getting ready for the downtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, do I have a swimsuit? Does it still fit me this year? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and all of all of those logistics, I've, again, I've experienced that before. I remember last summer, the first time I decided to go to the beach, it was a pretty impulsive decision because Saturday was more beautiful than I thought it would be. And I think I got a 3 p.m. start <laughs> to the beach because of all the prep I needed to do. So uh, it's, you know, I think there's... That that's something I wanna I wanna drill down on a bit later, the idea of effectively planning. But something I also want to mention here, because I, I don't want listeners to misconstrue this. I find that sometimes people think in my free time, I also need to be productive. And that's not, I think, what you're saying here, right? Um, I hear people who say, you know, vacation, I have to make sure I learn something everywhere I go. It's it's wrong if I just sit on a beach. And I'm not saying every vacation has to be sitting on a beach. But there's this sense almost that, you know, if I have time off, I should have a side hustle. Um, I should be doing something to learn and to grow all the time. Are Do you find that that there are expectations that people have for themselves um, that are preventing um, some of this effective nourishment, just in that expectation that we're always going to be growing and and being productive in our rest time? I just love that you pointed that out because I have a friend who's a yoga teacher. And one of the things she does, and she notices that her students do, is yoga. Yoga can be anything. It can be exercise. It can be a deep spiritual experience. And Mm -hmm. what she notices is that she runs in, teaches her (laughs) class, runs out. And meanwhile, she and her students aren't getting that deep experience of letting go. Mm. Yoga can provide. So in answer to your question, we can take the most basic human pleasures and turn them into a a to-do list like yoga, make sure I'm relaxing. And then (laughs) we got a relaxation on our to-do list. I remembered I'd learned that play was good for your brain, like that playful mindset. And when my son was little, There's a lot of playing that you do with a little kid. Mm -hmm. One day I thought, hey, wait, I'm playing. That's got to be really good for me. (laughs) Check it off the list. Check it off the list. I got my playtime in. (laughs) So our productivity mindset can enter every single part of our life. It can enter our sleep. It can enter our food. And so one of the things I think about with respect to downtime and getting that kind of soul nourishment that we all need is to learn to let go of any kind of achievement mindset at all. We're just here. We're just humans. We are blessed with Most of us are blessed with some sort of physical mobility. We can see, or most of us can see. We have our hearing. And to enter just a place of awe and gratitude 
And sometimes that can chip away at this productivity mindset. Mm. That's a really beautiful thought and, and so important. And I think it's just a, it's a big shift from the way a lot of us have been, I think, trained consciously and subconsciously by the culture um, to think about how we approach our time. I know, especially in your latest book, as you mentioned earlier, you've identified some best practices of sustainable productivity and effective nourishing rest so that you can get the most out of both that go time and that stop time. And I'd like to maybe spend the rest of our conversation focusing on some of those key elements that people can think about integrating into their own lives. Because I feel like this is where um, many of us have the most room for, for growth and improvement. For sure. Well, I will say that I love this idea of weekly rest mm -hmm. based on the idea of a Sabbath. But I want to say a big caveat. When I first learned about, um, I'm from the Jewish tradition, so we call it Shabbat or Sabbath. When I first learned about it, I totally thought, that's not for me. No. Nope. Mm -hmm. And in fact, a friend of mine had invited me to Shabbat dinner when I was in graduate school at Yale. And I thought, I don't have time for that. I'm busy. I'm working. Ironically, it was in my time of greatest burnout. I could barely move. But the mm -hmm. idea of a festive dinner with other people, it was just not on my to-do list. Mm -hmm. So he kept asking and I finally went, okay, I'll go just so you will stop asking me. And my experience that night was of a group of lovely, kind people, none of whom were talking about their research or their achievements. Some song, some candle lighting. And after that evening, I went home feeling so refreshed, like I haven't felt this good for a long time. And then I went back to work. That was my habit, to take a whole evening off. No, I had a dissertation to finish. But over time, I learned both from others and readings and songs. I learned how to not just stop the action, but mm -hmm. enter this other world of soul renewal. Mm. And much of it is social. It is so nice to be with people who have also slowed themselves down. I'd never been in a group of Yale professors and graduate students who weren't talking about their work. So there were all these high achievers who just like let it go. And over time, not only did I say this is worth it, but I got interested in, well, how do people do this? Because it doesn't just happen. And Absolutely. that's why I wrote my book, An Oasis in Time. I wanted to see if us either less religiously oriented people or even more religiously oriented mm -hmm. people who don't know how to stop 
can draw on the power of this weekly rest time. So one thing I learned is the word Sabbath or Shabbat means stop. (laughs) It doesn't mean be bored for a day. It doesn't mean follow all the rules. It just means stop. That is funny and surprising. I did not know that that's what the word meant. Um, you know, I come from the Christian tradition um, where Sabbath was definitely something that we talked about. And I think of how busy the weekends could be. Um, and I, I know there's some, some people would consider the Sabbath the Saturday and some Sunday, depending right. on faith tradition. And even within the Christian faith, there's some differences. But I think of Sunday, you know, when we'd have Sunday services, and I'd be on the worship arts team and on the production team and showing up an hour early for church. And and that's not exactly stopping either. And so really thinking about um, how the idea of a Sabbath, of a rest time, of a stop time, um, it, it's separate from a religious practice, like you said. It's, it's not an action that you're taking instead it's it's a stopping and it's it's a something almost the opposite of a lot of the religious um, practices and habits that we might um, take on uh, when we think of those words a lot of our religious world is very infused with the idea of taking action like to be good you take action and you do good things and all of that is great but Many of us, and I work with a lot of clergy, people who are so deeply dedicated to bringing spiritual life forth. Clergy burnout rates are about Mm. 50%. It's very scary for them when they burn out. And so we need all of us, whichever part of the world we're in, I think this time out type of time. And When I tell people about it, I say, you know, I'd love to tell you about this idea of a day off a week. And often people will say to me, oh, I I can't get everything done in six days. I need eight days a week to get things done. And I say, there's this amazing math. It's new math. It's spiritual math that I learned. And it's seven minus one equals eight. And that is because what can happen if you really can stop for a day or even half a day and you learn how to place a boundary between this relentless action and this place of awe and a sense of blessing, then you become so renewed and energized that all of those action items and things you have to do and the avoidance starts to fade. And one of the things, interestingly, you talked about the whole idea of planning for your day, sort of your down day. And that is what I learned as the first gateway. I, I from interviewing all these people, I found five gateways and Gateway number one is plan, protect, protect the time. Like you put it on your calendar and you don't put other things in that time. And then prepare. So you 
plan for it. You know what you're going to do. You think about it ahead, and then you do the actual preparation before your downtime. The second gateway is begin and end. And that means name when you're going to start, which we also do say, okay, I'm leaving for the beach at 10 a.m. But also name when you're you're done with your oasis time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be home at 8 p.m. and then I'm going to do all these things to unpack and put away. So you're not in your downtime anymore. And you, you don't mix up the energies. And I think that there are a lot of people out there who are sort of trying to do both at once. Mm-hmm. Be in do mode and be in B mode. And that's great if you can pull that off. I find it's really helpful to say, now I'm in action mode. Now I am in stop mode. And to learn to create that boundary. Absolutely. And I'm thinking about um, different experiences I've had. And we're, we're going to probably keep coming back to the beach as an example. But um, one thing that that can also be nourishing and in a completely different way. A few years ago, I decided I wanted to bike to the beach. And it was about a 25-mile, I think, bike ride. And so in one way, that was very much not relaxing. But I had done all the preparation in advance. I knew what I w- was going to do. I had everything ready to go. And it was so incredibly fun to have that plan and execute on it and make it to the beach. And then I did put my bike on the subway with me and ride home because I was definitely not going to do another <laughs> 25 miles back. But when you prepare for this time, the time to me, it doesn't have to be you're sitting and knitting or you're lying on a beach or you're watching TV on your couch. It can be an action that you're taking, that you're intending to, you know, that that provides you with that nourishment, that, that relaxation. Um, it's just a matter of approaching it in a way that allows it to provide you with what it can, as opposed to trying to squeeze everything out of it um, and stress yourself out so much that you don't get any benefit from it. So true. So true. I mean, I, I love that. I, I love the idea of picking an action that is different. Like that's something you probably wouldn't do on your work day, ride your bike for 25 miles. Not so much. And I, I, I love that. I think it's an important distinction. I don't personally think that downtime needs to be relaxing necessarily. Mm-hmm. I would maybe try out a different world, word, renewing, mm-hmm. refreshing, rejuvenating. But we're, we're also, many of us are so tired and so desperate for relaxation that we often do miss this, that getting out and climbing a mountain, not Mm -hmm. relaxing necessarily, but so soul refreshing. Yes, definitely. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes you need both. I'm just going to bring in all the personal stories, but I got my second shot of the vaccine last week. So fully vaccinated, not yet fully inoculated. Um, very good, uh, good yeah. time. And I ended up 
uh, the only side effect that I got from both dose one and dose two, aside from a little bit of pain near the injection, was fatigue. And the fatigue just hit me. And the 24 hours after I got vaccinated, I think I slept 16 of them. Yeah, I did. And it's it's a wonderful thing, though, when you do it. The first time, I wasn't prepared for it. And I had meetings and other things scheduled. And it was a very stressful time. For the second shot, I was like, this might happen. And so I took the next day off. And when you can have, when you need just the, I am a bump on a log. I am sleeping in bed. I am lying on a beach. Nothing is happening. That can be renewing and refreshing and rejuvenating as well as relaxing. Um, but then, like you said, I think back to some of my most wonderful memories. And we had a family reunion in Montana. And we were in Glacier National Park and just walking along this beautiful long hike. And I am slow because I have a bad knee. And so I was with my great uncle Chuck. And we were walking together way behind everybody else. And the, the beauty around me and the conversation that I was having that was one of the most rejuvenating and um, and just so impactful times that I can imagine. I mean, I can. It was years ago, and I can still picture it as if it were today. And being able to recognize both of those kinds of um, nourishing activity is, I think, important in figuring out. Um, you know that that sometimes you might need one more than the other. Uh, that absolutely, and I think for each of us, it's good to have a range. Like right when the pandemic began and I felt so closed in, we were, mm -hmm. we were allowed here to go out for bike. We could ride. We, they did not say you can't go out and ride your bike. So I rode my bike down to the shoreline about a 20 minute bike ride and back once. Then I did it the next day and the next day. And I think, I probably did it about 90 days in a row. Wow. And I got used to it. Then it became a habit and it became just such an integral part of my day to get mm -hmm. up, get on my bike, go out, feel a little bit of freedom because the lockdown was so hard. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was, that was something I never did. I'd lived near the shoreline for six years, and I'd probably ridden my bike down there maybe 10 times mm -hmm. in six years. Never occurred to me how fabulous it would be to go every day, and it was great. Yeah, and so that, you know, that's a really also positive way of just looking at things that through these challenging times, people might have found different habits, whether it's something, I know so many people who started a habit of a daily walk that yeah. weren't getting much movement before and have found a lot of pleasure in that. Um, even people who, who started baking bread, you know, at the beginning of this. And it, there's one way I think to approach that. And that's in the very achievement oriented way. But then there's another way of there's something to me about making things that's just so powerful. That's, I think, why I love to knit and I also do love to cook. Um, and so people may have developed some of these new habits during the lockdowns that they can actually think about. How can I take what I learned benefits me from those habits, um, even when, you know, hopefully uh, things open up in the in the coming weeks and months? I think there's a lot of reevaluating and rethinking about how do we want to spend our time? 
And now as things are opening up, we know we're knowing we're not going back to the old normal, Mm -hmm. but the pull of the incessant activity is, is definitely there. And so I think it's a good time for all of us to build in this sense of oasis time. And I'll just say the other three gateways, because I think I interrupted. Yeah, no, no. Um, One is disconnect, meaning disconnect from screens, to connect with yourself, with the other people near you. You look into their eyes or your pets or really spend time being present with them. And then connect to your sense of a source of life. And it might be God, it might be spirit, it might just be that feeling of being alive. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that I'd gotten into a habit of whenever I was in a line, like we line up here to obviously many places to go to the grocery store, that I Mm -hmm. would automatically open my phone and... yes. (laughs) Turn to a podcast or a master class or whatever it was. And I I realized, wait a second, I can also feel myself breathing, drop mm-hmm. my shoulders, slow down my breath, and let my poor body just relax for a second. Look around, see who's around me, sense the amazement of what a grocery store is. We can go into this place that in the beginning had no flour, no yeast and no toilet. (laughs) (laughs) But now is full of all these items again. What an amazing food system we have. Unfortunately, very broken and about to lead us to climate collapse. But that's my third book (laughs) and how we can... There's a lot we can do to participate in carbon sequestration, but mm-hmm. just, sorry, I won't interrupt myself. So it's disconnect to connect, slow down to savor, just slow ourselves down a little bit. What I often notice is when I slow down, sensory experiences flood in. Mm-hmm. Hear the birds. I can smell right here. It's the jasmine. But if I'm going too fast, nothing comes in. And then the final gateway is this whole idea that we've talked about before let go of achieving, let go of the whole achievement mindset to rest, reflect, and play. And play could be being playful, could be playing music, could be just running around. But that whole feeling of being free of the need to prove ourselves, prove our value, just by being on this planet, we are worthy, which is not a feeling that all of us have all the time. Mm-hmm. I I love those simple gateways. You know, we've got the plan, protect, and prepare, begin and end, disconnect to connect, slow down to savor, and let go of achieving. I know we've we've touched on quite a few of those. I love the word, though, that you use in number four, savor. 
because savor, it has a natural um, relationship to the idea of food. And immediately, I think most of us can think of times where we just scarfed down our food. You know, I, I've done that um, yesterday and today, both times with lunch, where I had about 11 minutes to consume my food before I was going to be on camera for my next meeting. And it was a really delicious meal that I didn't appreciate all that much versus the times when we really look at our food on our plate and think about maybe how beautiful it is um, and how appetizing it looks. And we really smell the food that we have. Right. And we really take that time to savor. It's a completely different experience of eating. And then I think of, you know, again, applying that word to other situations. When you are taking that walk or that bike ride or whatever you're doing, are you thinking about all the things you're not doing in that moment? Are you rushing through it like people rush through yoga sometimes? Or are you really present and there and savoring the experience? And it's a completely different experience during the activity. And you're, the the impact after is going to be completely different as well. You're not going to achieve that that renewal that you might if you really slowed down so that you could savor. Exactly. And that savoring, the amazing thing is that savoring is available to us at all times. Mm -hmm. We get caught up in whatever it is we think we have to do. And we do have to do things and we do have deadlines. And there are some times when we have to push towards our goals, but at that point of achievement, many of us have not learned to say, hey, let's celebrate in a way that really nourishes, that we get the blessing of the accomplishment, that we, again, drop our shoulders, slow our movements, and feel where we are, what we've learned, what we've gained. We, I think, often have this feeling that you can't stop because if you stopped, you would totally stop. Mm -hmm. And we don't learn that you go, then you stop and renew and get a little rest and have a little nourishing food and play and savor and all those good things. And then we go. And and that gets back to that new math, because um, I think we can all recognize that when we are in that nonstop go, go, go mode, we're less effective as we go. And, you know, if you're trying to work all seven days every week um, on day 14 and day 21, uh, you're probably not going to be your best self and you're probably not going to be as productive as you think you are versus if you had taken some time and if you've been able to set aside um, time and, and really stopped the energy and focus that you come back with is so powerful. And something else that happens, and I think this this has gotten twisted sometimes into people thinking that, that they need to mine relaxation for this, but I find that ideas and innovation comes better when I am more refreshed and relaxed and when I've done different things, right? I'm not going to come up with a, a breakthrough new idea sitting, staring at my computer all the time. But you go out on a hike, on a bike ride, you cook something, you you talk with some friends and, and just relax. And something 
somehow connects in your mind. And then you go back to work and you can solve a problem that you've been ruminating on for, for weeks. And the idea comes out of um, the way that our, our minds just kind of relax and, and process things differently when we really do stop. So true. It's so true. And I think you said, I think we all can recognize that we get less productive. And I will say, at least speaking for myself, during my years of pushing and pushing both teaching and writing my dissertation and working on some community projects, it it was a little like the boiled frog syndrome. I mm-hmm. don't think I recognized that I was getting less and less productive until the day I could not get out of bed. Yeah, I was so exhausted and demoralized and I don't know, was I sick? I don't know. But I think many of us don't recognize the downturn and are shocked when we either get sick or have an autoimmune disease or really struggle with depression. And we still don't bring self-compassion. We don't have compassion for ourselves, at least In my case, I truly thought if I could just motivate myself, I could get more done. And that's part of what led me to really move towards Shabbat. It took me a while to realize I need this day off a week because I am such a workaholic and I am willing and able to drive myself into the ground without even noticing. And I'm going to have some serious mental health issues and depression and lack of motivation if I don't get a grip on myself. And that took years. I'm very grateful. The thing I will say, this might not motivate any of your listeners, but it motivated me. Um, Observing a Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. I thought, you're kidding. It's one of the Ten Commandments right up there with thou shalt not murder. Yep. What's that about? <laughs> Remember and, the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I love the fact that it says, Remember the Sabbath day, because even then they're wandering in the desert. They don't have to do lists, but even they have to remember. And it's in many traditions, the fourth commandment, you don't get to it last Mm -hmm. very early on. And so I thought, okay, if it's up there with thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, maybe I should take this seriously. (laughs) That is definitely a good reminder. Well, I would, I would love to just continue this conversation indefinitely because I'm getting so much from it and I'm sure our listeners are as well. Um, but I'm looking at the clock and realizing we probably need to wind down. So before I jump into my last couple of questions, I know you have a number of kind of micro practices that you recommend that people implement. And we've been talking about some more big picture stuff, you know, setting aside a whole day that might seem intimidating to people. So what are some of these smaller things that people can implement in their day to day um, that might help provide this nourishment? Okay. Well, I'll share one of my favorites is a practice I call 10 minutes of bliss. And it's just 10 minutes. 
And the bliss is, could be anything. Sometimes it's, I want to dance to a great song for five or 10 minutes. This morning, it was just crawl back into bed, uh. out, out of order, and read a book I'm reading for 10 minutes, just 10 minutes. I say to myself, you can always take 10 minutes. Yesterday, we have a little spot in our backyard which is hidden by trees. And I went over to that spot just for 10 minutes, 10 minutes of bliss. You just choose something you love. You excuse yourself from everyone and just go take care of yourself for 10 minutes. That Another, is a beautiful idea. <laughs> so I love that one. Another one I love is just valuing meals, not in the sense of, a great gourmet experience, but whatever this meal is, thank myself. I am the meal preparer in our household. So thank myself. Thank you to the source of all blessing for the energy to make the food, to the farmers for the source mm. of the food, to be thankful. Just that thankfulness practice instead of, I think you said scarfing down, and that is something I can do too. But take that 30 seconds to say, I am so lucky to have something to eat. And that's a nourishing, sustainable. Now, we would never think of that as a productivity practice. But mm -hmm. what I find is when we pay attention to these little moments that give us energy and uplift, uplift it improves our productivity. But here's one that is going to sound more like a productivity practice, which is in the morning, what are the three things at the end, of, just the three, because many of us have these ridiculously long to-do lists mm -hmm. and we might not get to what's most important. And what are, what are just the three things I must do? My must do things that at the end of the day, and it's five o'clock, which is before the end of my day, but when I say, oh my gosh, I did not do that thing, that becomes the top priority. Because mm -hmm. we can procrastinate for years on the most important things. So that's another little mini productivity practice is to name three, just three that you absolutely intend to get done today. And I want to just jump in briefly to build on that because that's also one of the best ways that you can ensure you're on the same page as your team and your manager. Nice. Um, as a member of a team, a lot of times we have people, and I hear this time and time again, they're working really hard, but their manager is frustrated with them. And typically that's because the most important things to that employee are not the same as the most important things of their manager. And they haven't communicated that. So to have a conversation with your manager, you know, here's what I intend to accomplish today. You know, I've got my other list of other things, but those might fall off. And these are the three things I'm going to get done that can remove some of that friction. If you're able to have that conversation with somebody, Absolutely. so I, I've got to bring it to the the mechanics because that's helpful. But just wanted to mention that because I know Absolutely. that's a, a big source of frustration. I there's so much frustration between 
managers and their direct reports. You know, one one of the things I do is I, I work with teams and organizations. And so one of the best productivity tools I know that we at least used to have, but you can still have on Zoom is a quick standing meeting where everyone names their number one goal for the day. And that's when you discover when people are not aligned. Mm -hmm. The key to that is a total non-punitive learning approach to management. I am so glad you said that. You and I are not on the same page. And how will we get on the same page Mm -hmm. with no blame? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad that we've had the time to cover some of these smaller habits that, to me, we're integrating into the go time, which is important. Um, Go, go, go isn't scarf down every meal and stare at your screen, you know, six, eight, 12 hours a day, and then just stop and, and, and rest. But instead we, we integrate, um, these moments and these practices, um, in order to refresh ourselves and renew ourselves, um, throughout the the course of the day. The final thing I'll say, which is so many of us do not give ourselves enough time to unwind Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, whether it's the end of the workday or we've also been cooking and cleaning up, is to really allow for a good solid half an hour of preparing for sleep. And there's so much insomnia in our country. And part of that is people do not know how to create a buffer zone. You're going to stop watching the news. You're going to let go of your concerns about the big picture and your worries about your teenager or whatever else you're worried about. And you're going to give yourself a safe place to practice a calm mind before you get into bed. Mm. So that your, your sleeping area is actually a place where you're already calm. You've already wound down. And you are really now in a place to allow that basic rhythm to happen. You'll go to sleep. I know um, Ariana Huffington has has done a lot of work on that. And I heard her once on a podcast describe um, her bedtime routine. And something she said that really stuck with me there is you think of what we do with kids, especially toddlers, when we're going to put them to bed. And it's not like we have them running around like maniacs and just pick them up, put them in pajamas and, and toss them in bed. But we typically have a routine. And the whole point of that routine is, is to help them unwind. Absolutely. And if a toddler needs to unwind, I think we need to unwind too. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. This has been wonderful. It really has. So I've got two Quick questions as we as we wind down. First one is, do you have any resources that you would recommend for our listeners? That could be something like a book, it could be a podcast, it could be um, uh, anything that you that you find that that has been impactful for you that you feel like our listeners might benefit from. Well, one thing I do like to mention to people is <clears throat> a website called Burnout Solutions. 
<clears throat> was created by a nurse practitioner who thought that she was just going to go, 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 go with her practice forever. And she really burned out. So she knows burnout from inside out. And her name is Beth Genley. And she's just an amazing resource. So that's one resource that I really appreciate. Definitely. I'll check that out. And we'll yes. make sure to include a link to that in the show notes. Nice. Thank you for that, Marilyn. All right. If you want people to learn more about you and more about your work, if they're interested in, in learning more about this, in addition to buying your books, um, where should they go? My work is I is at www.marilynpaul.com. They go to my website. There's some wonderful resources for downloading, some of which we touched on here, but I would certainly love to hear from your listeners so they can find me there and find my books anywhere. And um, I really look forward to hearing from anyone who would like to share their thoughts. I'm a coach. If someone's really stuck, they can come to me and really work through some of what has led them to their exhaustion and some of their productivity issues. Definitely. Yeah, I think um, a lot of us can hear all of these best practices, but if you feel really stuck, having a one-on-one -on -one coach can be really the thing that you need to get unstuck. So definitely second that recommendation. Well, thank you so, so much for speaking with me today, Marilyn. I know I've gotten a ton out of our conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as well, and I'm sure our listeners will love to hear it. Thank you so much. It's great to have this conversation. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's show. You can find the notes and resources for everything that Marilyn and I have been talking about today, including links to those websites at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod three zero three. Make sure to tune into the show next week. We've got another great guest for you. If you enjoyed the show today, please recommend us to a friend. That is the best way for more people to discover the show. If you haven't subscribed, thank you for stumbling onto this episode, but we would love it if you could subscribe. You can do that for free wherever it is that you're listening right now. We love feedback, like Marilyn was just saying. You can leave us ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts or email us with direct feedback, questions, and guest suggestions at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook. And don't forget to check out the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success. Happy selling!